Hello and welcome to Tour of Truth with Christine Company. Today's company is Tim Buck with FOTET, which is Focus on the End Times Ministry. And Tim is an incredible Bible prophecy teacher, and we have been very blessed by some of the podcasts that he's been able to join us on in the past, and I'm looking forward to this one today, Tim. Thank you, Krista. Today we've got an interesting subject that we're going to be talking about, one of the prophecies that is found in Matthew 24 about the gospel being preached in the whole world. Can you explain this prophecy and what the most common interpretation is today? There's a lot of people that believe the gospel has to be preached to the world and it's used for mission work especially. Here's what the verse says. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. And so most people think the rapture can't come until the gospel goes out to the whole world. Of course, the problem with that is that the church already has a commission. We don't really need another commission. In Mark chapter 16, Acts chapter 1, and in Matthew 28, Jesus left the church our commission. It's to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to observe all things. The mission of the church is to make disciples. Absolutely. And that includes baptizing them and teaching them the whole counsel of the Word of God. When you closely read Jesus's prophecy that we're discussing here, it's not sounding like the Great Commission for the church. So let me read it again. Here's what Jesus says. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to the nations and then the end will come. That lacks making disciples, it lacks baptism, and it lacks teaching all things. So already, there's apparently a distinct message that Jesus says is gonna be preached to the nations in the tribulation period, and I'm not thinking that this verse at all applies to the church age and is preventing Jesus to come back in the rapture. We are totally supportive of missions and missionaries. And I believe that that is exactly the right fulfillment is that the church has equipped these missionaries because they have equipped them to be disciples and then to go out and to make more disciples and to preach the gospel. So Tim, how does this prophecy fit into Jesus' teaching on the signs of the times? Krista, I'm a big believer in the importance of biblical context. So what is the context of what Jesus is saying here about this gospel being preached to all the nations? And when you break down Matthew 24 and 25, it parallels the book of Revelation verses 6 through 19 about the tribulation period. So let me give a quick overview of what I mean by that. In Matthew chapter 24, the first section of Matthew 24 verses 4 through 13, Christ gives what we would call the birth pang signs of the, of the tribulation. And then in verse 15, Jesus describes the abomination of desolation, which we know in Matthew 24, he says, this is that which Daniel spoke of. We know that's the middle of the tribulation. And then verses 16 to 26, Jesus describes the great signs of the great tribulation in the second half of the tribulation. And so this passage of the gospel to be preached to all the world is squarely in the first half of the tribulation. It can't be for the church if you're pre-tribulational, which I am. And so it has to be a different purpose and it has to be for a different reason. The gospel in the tribulation 
is to give everybody that's left after the rapture one final opportunity before judgment. The gospel preached in the church age is to make disciples, baptize, and teach them to observe all things. So having identified the context as part of Jesus's list of tribulation signs, what would you say is the purpose of God making this promise in the midst of birth pain signs? Yeah, it's actually his last birth pang sign. And that's interesting. It's verse 14. And verse 15 is the abomination of desolation. So Jesus comes along and he basically gives a sign that's positive. Up to this point, we've been talking about earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars, pestilences. And then he says the gospel of the kingdom has to be preached. And I think what he's, what he's doing to Israel is saying, look, there's a lot of Jewish people coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ in the first half of the tribulation. And this is something else that most Bible students don't understand. That in the early years of the tribulation, many Israelites are going to get saved and come to know the Lord. And I think what's happening here is Jesus is realizing that there's going to be tens of thousands of Jewish people saved in the early part of the tribulation. I even think it's possible that Jesus knows ahead of time that these Jews are going to be sitting there thinking, how come everybody's getting saved? Remember, by the middle of the tribulation, 144,000 of them will be converted. Just a little bit of math, that's a lot of the day of Pentecost all through the first half of the tribulation, meaning lots of people are coming to know Christ. And so Jesus, in his signs to tell them that they're in the tribulation, says the gospel's also being preached around the world, and then the end will come. I take this as a blessing given to Israel so that they would be able to understand the backdrop of the amount of conversions happening in the world and in Israel at this time. Well, and to go along with your point, there's a verse that talks about the church age to an extent. It says that the Jewish people would be in darkness until the times of the Gentiles have been fulfilled, which is speaking of the church age. So then the light bulb will begin to come on according to scripture that says that the Jews would begin to understand and know who he is and to be able to receive his word. Absolutely. There are some great evangelists in our day, but no one has ever attempted to reach every soul in Mm -hmm. such a short time. I want to take just a minute to describe how the Lord is going to do this. A supernatural gospel proclamation in the tribulation period. And keep in mind that all remaining people on earth after the rapture will need to hear the whole gospel. And they need to hear it because if the rapture takes place prior to the tribulation, there's nobody on earth that's saved. So God has to supernaturally intervene to give people the gospel. The church is removed. There's a point in Revelation where we don't even hear any additional mention of the church. Isn't that correct? Absolutely. Chapters 6 through 19, the church is just completely absent. And there'd be no need for the 144,000 if the church was on earth. There'd be no need for the two witnesses if the church was on earth. There'd be no need for the gospel angel that's going to go and preach if the church was here doing their work. So let's just take a minute to figure out how in the world do you do a worldwide evangelistic campaign? I mean, Billy Graham's done some great evangelistic campaigns. Greg Laurie does some great evangelistic campaigns. But let me just maybe give you four tools. The first tools that Jesus is going to use in the tribulation to accomplish this formidable task, I believe, is the two witnesses, Moses and Elijah. Now, there's been other 
speculations, whether it would be Enoch and, and others. But after studying what these two witnesses do, they more closely parallel the miracles that Elijah did and the miracles that Moses did than any other people on earth. But there's no dispute, according to Scripture, that the Lord is sending them from heaven. Absolutely. I love talking about that. And by the way, there'd be no need to send Moses and Elijah if the church was on earth doing their work. What's going to happen is Israel's going to have permission to build their temple at the beginning of the tribulation. And as Israel begins to build that temple, God says they're also going to begin to make the animal sacrifices and the priestly offerings of blood sacrifices. And then God sends Moses and Elijah to that temple ministry. And can you imagine, Krista, the rabbis and the Orthodox Jews bringing their sacrifices in and killing a lamb, and Elijah saying, that's the lamb of God. That points to the lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. Right, and so really what's happening here, the Jewish people are rebuilding their temple, still not recognizing Messiah, not recognizing him as Jesus, the Messiah. And they institute the things that they have practiced for centuries in Judaism. I loved what you said in one of your classes that he's literally rewinding the clock going back 2,000 years because we really see in scripture that he has put them on hold even where it says that we should not be haughty about our own salvation because we have been grafted in don't be haughty lest we fall because if he did not spare the natural branches which was Israel then he might not spare us either he's grafting them back in but the whole point of this is that it tells us that salvation has come to the Gentiles because of Israel Back to your point, the temple is being rebuilt during this time and the Jewish people are practicing their customs which they haven't been able to do for all this time in their land. And so God then is sending these two witnesses. He's rewinding the clock and he's going to meet them where they are. And you know, Krista, it's Satan's worst nightmare because he raised up Antichrist and he got Antichrist along with Israel to make a treaty to divide the land of Israel. And the purpose of dividing the land of Israel, I'm sure from Satan's perspective, is to shrink down their capacity even a little bit further. But in order to get that accomplished, God said, well, you got to build the temple then. We'll give you, we'll give the Palestinians the West Bank and East Jerusalem for their capital, but not without us getting a temple on the Temple Mount. So Satan says, okay, and the Antichrist and Israel shake hands and make a deal. And as soon as that deal was struck, the temple begins to get built and God sends a zinger. He ships back Moses and Elijah and Satan's beginning to now watch tens of thousands of rabbis and the Sanhedrin and Orthodox Jews bowing their knees to Jesus Christ. One year, two years, three years, by the middle of the tribulation, Satan simply can't take it anymore. And when we look at the book of Daniel, Daniel calls out four times in his prophecy that the sacrifices were halted in the middle of the week. The sacrifices were halted. Sacrifices were halted. Why does God tell Daniel to teach us that those sacrifices mean so much. Because God wanted us all to know that the blood sacrifices was a picture in the Old Testament of Jesus Christ. Those Jewish people in Israel in the tribulation, they're going to accept that and believe that. And it is the blood of Christ that has the power of God. And Satan can't take it. In the middle of the tribulation, he erupts, gets evicted from heaven and comes roaring down to earth and kills those two witnesses on the Temple Mount 
while they're administering those sacrifices. And it says that the whole world will be able to see this. And isn't it incredible that we live in such a technologically advanced age that by video, by internet, by satellite, that the whole world could literally see it? Absolutely. And so by the middle of the tribulation, let's talk about the next group that God's going to use to take the gospel to the whole world. That's the 144,000. As a result of the witnessing of the two witnesses, every day hundreds of Jewish people have gotten saved so that 144,000. How would you like a church starting up, folks, and in three and a half years you have 144,000 people come to the church? Now, that's not everybody that got saved in Israel. There's probably a million people by now saved in Israel, but 144,000 of them we know for certain are going to be evangelists reaching the rest of Israel and reaching around the world. Right, and the Bible speaking of them and, and numbering them because it says that they're going to be sealed by God, that they will not be able to be affected by what's coming upon the earth. That's so important, Krista, because God also is going to use those 144,000. He calls them the first fruits. And they are the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. And they are the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises that there would be tribes in the land in the millennial kingdom serving with the Lord. And so he guarantees the fulfillment of his promise that there's going to be somebody from the tribe of Issachar and from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Gad and all 12 of those tribes by purposely having two witnesses go out and preach the word of God in Israel and have that many converted. Once Jesus returns and sets up the millennial kingdom, each one of these tribes, the 12,000 East tribe, will get an allotment of special land according to Ezekiel chapters 40 to 48, and they're going to serve with Christ for a thousand years. These 144,000 aren't going away anywhere. They're going to be in the millennial kingdom serving with the Lord. So they present a second tool that the Lord uses. A third tool that the Lord uses we'll call the gospel angel, and that's in Revelation 14 and verse 6. Let me just read it. It says, Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Again, let me remind you, there'd be no need if the church was here to send gospel angels flying around with the gospel. Now, in context, this gospel angel shows up after the middle of the tribulation. We don't know whether this is a gospel angel that looks like a human, that has wings, and is flying around preaching. We have no idea who this is. All we know is that he is going to fulfill the prophecy we're talking about, that the gospel would be presented to everybody in the world. Because it says here in Revelation 14, 6, every nation, every tribe, every language, and every tongue. Remember, in the tribulation, the only ones that made it, they'd already rejected God. If they hadn't rejected God, they would have been raptured. But here's God saying to the rejectors of God, I want you to have another opportunity. We've only got a short time. And instead of God relying on man, he relies on the two witnesses, the 144,000, and sends an angel out to get the job done. And by the way, there's one final group that I think is part of the team that God's going to use to reach the whole world. And, and that would be the new believers that are excited about Jesus Christ are going to go out and tell others. You know yourself that when you were first saved, how excited you were. Right. And remember now, everybody that's a Christian on earth in the tribulation is a new Christian. Everybody's excited. And everybody quickly catches on that they're in the tribulation more than likely. And so there's a built-in urgency that normally you wouldn't have that's going to last because Messiah, Jesus Christ, is coming back soon. And so we've got Christians that are hungry, willing to be martyred, willing to take the gospel to their friends and relatives and wherever they want to go. And so those are the four 
tools I think that God will use to fulfill this great prophecy in the tribulation. The two witnesses, the 144,000, the gospel angel, and other Christians preaching the word of God to their friends and family. So I think there's one more thing that we need to look at before we leave today. Most people don't really understand that there's going to be a great harvest of souls and, and a great revival in the tribulation period. One of the things that God puts in his word is this great harvest and how many people are going to get saved. Let's just read it for a minute. Revelation chapter 7, beginning with verse number 9 through 13. He says it this way. He says, there before me, was a great multitude that no one could count, of every nation, tribe, people, language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They're wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to his Lamb. And one of the elders asked me, Who are these? And where did they come from? And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and have made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, his description is a great number that nobody could even count. These are martyred saints, Jew and Gentile, as a result of the fulfillment of the verse in Matthew 24 and verse 14, that the gospel would be taken to the ends of the earth. God opens up heaven and gives us a picture of all of the individuals in the tribulation that have come out of great tribulation and are now in heaven as a result of hearing the gospel and getting saved. You see, when somebody comes to know the Lord, during the seven-year tribulation period, there is a far better chance of 50-50 that they're not going to make it alive in the tribulation period. And so this revival takes place. It's a worldwide evangelistic campaign. It's a worldwide revival. And the gospel is preached before the second coming to every individual. And God in, in his grace gives everybody a, a chance to come to know him as Lord and Savior. I love that concept, don't you? I do. I am so hungry for God's word. And when we get in there and see the story that he has going from Genesis, all the way to, to Revelation and it revolves around the nation of Israel and how God is restoring this kingdom and he will set his feet down on the Mount of Olives and he's our Jewish king Amen. and he's coming again and it's exciting and I'm so grateful that there are people that God has raised up like you Tim that will boldly share on these topics. This has got to be difficult at times because it's so challenging and so God bless you and what you're doing. Thank you so much Kristen. I've enjoyed the podcast with you today. Lord bless you. You've enjoyed listening and you'd like to hear us again or if you'd like to hear another podcast, you can find us at tourofftruth.com and we'll look forward to chatting with you again soon.